Hey everybody, I want to talk about a product and platform that I absolutely love and our latest sponsor, Interseller, the prospecting and outreach platform of choice for recruiters and sellers. Whether you're doubling down on business development or recruiting talent, Interseller does all the heavy lifting of finding contact data, automating the email and follow-up process, and syncs all that rich data into 20-plus CRM and ATS platforms. Reach out now and get going on a two-week free trial and let them know you heard about it from Adam on the podcast today. Check out the link on the website. Appreciate it. Welcome to the podcast, where we introduce you to incredible humans who share their journeys with the mission to inspire you to harness your own inner tenacity to drive your life and career forward. And now, your host, Adam Posner. Hey, everybody, welcome back to the podcast where I bring you the best and the brightest from the world of business, marketing, and entrepreneurship to help you harness your own inner tenacity and drive your career forward. I'm excited to welcome my guest today, James Jimmy the Pencil Orsini. I, lo I love having guests on that I've had the pleasure of working with and know personally. He's a true creator of value, and today he heads up the Sasha Group, VaynerX's small business and well funded startup consultancy. And he brings over 30 years of experience across media, brand marketing, PR, and Wall Street to Sasha's clients and continues to be a thought leader and a beacon of true leadership. And I'm excited to catch up with James today and unpack his career story and all of the gold within it. So let's do this. James, welcome to the podcast, my man. Oh, it's so great to be here, Adam. I've, I've listened to the, uh, the podcast in the past and uh, I'm looking forward to participating today. Awesome. I'm, I'm really excited to have you on here. And you bring just a, a, a ton of experience, a wealth of knowledge. So let's 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 hit the rewind button here and mm -hmm. go all the way back. What what you know, what was it? Was it high school? Was it college? What, what led you down the track of, you know, the accountant side and, and, and going into, you know, the, the big firms there? What was that impetus? Yeah, the funny part was I, I had a, a professor at Seton Hall University. Um, I, I was majoring in business, and, and I took a uh, an accounting class. And uh, i never forget him. His name was John Dean, And he said, kid, you're going to be an auditor. And he said, uh, you know, and I'm going to help you do that. And he, um, he helped me secure an internship uh, in my junior year. What what uh, with what is today KPMG? It was a company called uh, KMG Main Herdman back then, um, and uh, and off <clears> I went. <throat> I I mean I I interviewed at their Park Avenue offices. I remember walking in and seeing the waterfalls and the building on Fifty Second and Park, and saying, "Listen, I haven't even had my interview, but I know I want to work here." Big time. Uh, and uh, uh, and it was uh, just uh, just a fabulous experience. And uh, fortunately for me, I was offered a full time job uh, in my junior year. Um, and um, a great place to be heading into your senior year, knowing that you're going to be employed on the other end of it. So I want to—it's kind of a, kind of a curveball question, and we're not trying to date you. We're not trying to say how old you are. I mean, anyone could kind of do the math here. But like, you know, you, you go back, and a lot has changed um, in technology. What what has been, in your opinion, in the world of uh, accounting and, and that type of consulting work? How has technology really affected that industry? Are you kidding? You, you're referencing <laughs> me as Jimmy the Pencil, and it was pencils and ledger pads when I first started. You know, fourteen column green sheets of paper that we used to do manually. Uh, and I'll never forget when I left uh, uh, when I left KPMG and I went to work for Goldman Sachs. They put me in a cubicle and I had a computer. What is and, this? And I said, <laughs> uh, you know, I'm sorry, I don't use a computer. And they said, well, you're going to figure it out, you know. And they gave me they gave me a task which should have probably taken an hour. 
Uh, and it took me the entire day. It took me probably nine hours to, to self teach and, and taught myself, you know, a sweaty mess as I remember being <laughs> in that cubicle, just trying to, you know, hammer my way through it. So, uh, yeah, you know, you got to keep up with technology without a doubt. So, you know, go, going back to those early days and, and New York City was such a different place. It was, it was exciting. It was mm. crazy, scary, dirty, all, the, all those kind of fun things. Yeah. Um, but as a, as a young accountant, what was one of those really core fundamental key lessons that you remember? Maybe looking back on it now, maybe you didn't realize it then. Maybe you thought like, you know, some older mentor or boss was just giving you a hard time, but they're really trying to teach you something. And you look back on it now, what, what was one of those key lessons that you're like, damn, thank God I had that experience and learned it? Well, you know, a lot of it was uh, um, understanding hierarchy, right? In a, in a public accounting firm, I mean, there there are interns in first year, second year, senior, supervisor, manager, partner, you know. Uh, and then as I came to find, not all partners are equal. No. Uh, so uh, there, there are the partners that run the firm and then there's partners in the firm. Uh, so, uh, you know, uh, uh, yoking up to, uh, to people who were in powerful positions, uh, always helped my career. Um, you know, hitching, uh, as they say, hitching your horse, uh, to, uh, uh, to the right, uh, right lead is really, um, uh, a key learning for me. Uh, the beauty about the auditing side of things was, um, uh, my clients changed every couple of three, four months. Good so variety. I got to see so much so fast and I kind of knew you know, I, I kind of knew I didn't want to be a partner in a public, uh, in a public accounting firm. Um, uh, so I, I kept my eyes open for different clients and, you know, um, uh, saw a couple that were of interest to me and, and fortunately for me, uh, landed in one. So it's an, it's an interesting one. I'm going to pause on this for a second. Do you think, you know, with the pandemic and a lot of companies shifting to obviously remote work during the pandemic and a lot of companies sticking with this work from home, remote work, do you think a lot of the younger folks are at a disadvantage when it comes to, you know, hitching to someone more senior because they can't do it physically? Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, I, I feel, I feel really bad. Look, the, the, um, uh, the remote environment has worked well for me as a guy, 58 years old with a family. And, and, you know, this is, uh, this is fine. I, I won't want to be in my thirties or younger no. and not have that social environment. You know, I wrote an article that my internship changed my life. And in that article, I talk about how, you know, I met my my now wife at that original firm. I I I, I had a career uh, with uh, companies uh, in the in the Saatchi portfolio because they were a client of mine when I you know when I interned. Like that that company just uh, changed changed my life from an internship perspective. I I I feel really bad for the young kids out there that are that are coming out of college and the first couple of years they're missing that energy, that vibe, uh, being able to look at someone more senior and see how they interact in the office with folks junior and senior to them. They're, mm -hmm. they're, they're missing, they're a disadvantage. And when you think about as well, I'd love to get your thoughts on this, new employees coming into an organization from an onboarding standpoint, it is hard. There's some companies that are doing well, they figured it out, they put the time and the energy in to really master the remote onboarding. Yeah. And some companies have been remote native since the beginning, but a lot of companies, I mean, you think about like a Vayner or VaynerX, there's a, there's an onboarding process. There's getting to meet people. Like it, it, it's tough. How, how are you, how, how, what are you seeing out there and how you, and we're jumping ahead a little bit and we'll get back in there, but how are you guiding your clients on the, on the remote onboarding? 
So we're fortunate at the Sasha Group. We went from 39 employees pre-pandemic to 80 today. We so, can talk about uh, Sasha Group specifically. We, yeah. we have uh, we have grown uh, uh, significantly in that. Uh, we work hard to uh, 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 to make sure that the, the people feel like they're part of a community. Uh, and, and Gary even does that on a greater Vayner X level uh, by bringing us together every day uh, for something called Voices at 1:37 p.m. where we all stop, you know, wherever we are globally to, to listen in to either a he and a guest or, or somebody else, a guest host and a, and a guest that kind of just kind of bring us together. We, uh, uh, we're cool. dialoguing in the chat as, uh, as that 12 minutes is, uh, is going by. Um, but one, one of the advantages now, let, let's, because, you know, we're, yeah, it's, it's we're talking about the woe is me. Let's, let's talk about the advantage. The advantage is, um, uh, what I like to call boxlessness, right? Because uh, now everybody, everybody is the same size box, right? I I can't walk by uh, and see. Okay, that gentleman sits in an office and he has uh, you know fourteen ceiling blocks. Therefore, he must be more important than that person who's sitting in the cubicle. Today, everybody's the same, right? So everybody has an opinion. Everybody has yep. a voice, uh, and and there really uh, there isn't a hierarchical structure on a Zoom call. I love it. And we're going to get back to Sasha Group in a minute there. But I'd be remiss in asking, how did you earn the nickname Jimmy the Pencil? Yeah, so, who gave you uh, that? Who dropped so it on it you? Was, uh, it was actually twofold. Uh, one, it was the original starting as a, as a New York State CPA and, and working with the pencil. And two, when I graduated college, I had a, a pencil-thin Clark Gable-esque mustache oh, that really kind of ran the, across and was shaven down and uh, the two came together to form Jimmy the Pencil. Oh, it's such a good nickname. I mean, it could be from any, any, any Scorsese movie, any one of those. It, it, I, it gets movies. a lot of attention. I got to admit, uh, it does, it's, uh, it's a good one. You're known for just taking people out with that pencil. You don't know where that pencil's coming from. You're gonna get it in the neck. Who knows? We're gonna digress here. So let me ask you this: When, when, when was that moment when you realized you were, you know, a better, more, you were more passionate about a better businessman and operator than accountant? You know that that happened uh, after my uh, probably my second uh, CFO job. You know, I was a, I was a global uh, CFO before I was thirty years old, and uh, and repeated that uh, once in a public relations environment, which what is now MSNL Group a company was called Roland back then. Jeez, and, things have changed. The I second, remember that. That's crazy. Yeah, I'm old. And the I'm second time was uh, uh, Interbrand. You know, and um, uh, uh, it hit me when when the then CEO, global CEO of Interbrand said, James, I got great news. We've hired a global chief operating officer. He's gonna be in London. You're gonna be in Newark and New York with me. And you can now just focus on the finance and he's gonna handle the operations. And I was like, mm, yeah, I don't wanna do that. And he said, what do you mean? I, I said, man, that's not really where my passion lies. I've done it for 15 years, you know, I'm, I'm ready to do more. So, uh, so fortunate for, for me, they were like, all right, well, look, don't leave. We'll, we'll create another position for you. And uh, they introduced me to uh, a gentleman who remains my friend today, David Martin. They said, this guy over here is the president of Interbrand North America. Uh, he's, he's not a CEO. And uh, we think if we create a position and make you North American chief operating officer together, the two of you can act as the office of the CEO. Interesting. And let's see how that works. And uh, uh, fortunately for me, we were hugely successful within the first 18 months. We had grown revenue by 20%, profits by 60%, picked up six margin points. 
and um, you know the rest is history. Pause on that for a moment there from a, a very senior executive leadership perspective, thinking outside the box that we don't have to have such clearly defined uh, C-suite titles there where we could actually capitalize on two very unique human being strengths to have a superpower there. That had to be a big learning aha moment for you as an executive at that point of your life. Yeah, it was wild because we were in a right. conference room. Um, Why? Really? You guys want to do this? So I'm cool. You're cool. Let's do it. Right? We, yeah, we were in a conference room and um, and the president had all his leadership around them and he said, okay, who who here has uh, great ideas? And everybody raised their hand and everything like that. And he said, okay, who here can execute? And I was the only one that raised my hand. And he said, okay, great. You're going to be the chief operating officer. Uh, and this and, is how it works, folks. Everyone out there, if everyone's wondering what it's really like in these boardrooms, and I'm, sh I'm sure we could do a whole show, James, on just crazy shit, pardon my French, that has happened in these <laughs> boardrooms, decisions that are made, decisions that have affected civilization, right? Like mm -hmm. modern marketing media products that we know about that are made in, in, in boardrooms. But I mean, but listen, we kid a little bit, but the, but the folks in these rooms have wealths of, of, of experience and knowledge. That they're bringing there. These aren't snap decisions. Well, most of them aren't snap. No, decisions. no. Well, you know, I mean, I, I've always prided myself on an execution, right? I, I mean, one of one of my most famous uh, uh, sayings is, is uh, you know, a dream without a plan is nothing more than a wish, right? So, I help I help people execute. Let's 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 riff on that for a moment here, because one of the things that I've come to a, a revelation about myself is that I I'm I'm an operator. I have, a, and, and it's exactly that definition. I have an idea and I execute on it. Mm -hmm. And it's something I've been doing a lot over the last, we'll call it even, you know, eight, 10 years of my, of my career. I have an idea, an idea for a podcast. I'm going to, I'm going to build it out. I have a new business model idea that I'm going to do for my recruiting. I'm going to, I'm going to try it out and I'm going to build it out. I have an idea for an execution of my late night show, all these things, side hustles, ideas. I think that's something really important that I, an idea is nothing. If you don't execute, they just sit yeah, there no. in a box and collect dust. Look, I'm working with all these entrepreneurs right now, right? Nobody's short of ideas. It's the execution of the idea that separates the pack. So, you know, Gary's an operator too. Um, and and what, what we've done or what I did in my early uh, uh, stages with him was I just helped to scale him operationally, but he is an operator. He's always been by by nature. Mm -hmm. It's it's. I mean, that's a secret sauce there. So how, let's, let's hit the rewind button again. When were you first introduced? Did you know about Gary before you actually met him? I did not. How'd I sat happen? in- When did I Harry meet Sally? Next. I sat next to Gary's brother, AJ, at a Seton Hall University basketball game uh, years ago. I, I was chief operating officer at uh, Saatchi and Saatchi Advertising at the time. And uh, we got to talking, and he was like, yeah, you know, me and my brother and a couple guys started this uh, this uh, uh, social media firm. And uh, and I was like, yeah, all right, sounds good. You want to come down uh, to Saatchi and see what it's like when you get big? And, and he was like, yeah, I do. Uh, and we invited him down. He came down a little bit. And then... You know, as, as times went on, there there were times that clients were asking Saatchi for social media. And I was like, yeah, we don't do that. Call these guys over here. <laughs> so um, years later, I... when I had, uh, and, and AJ would always call, uh, you know, looking for mentorship. Hey, awesome. have you ever done this? Uh, <clears throat> do you know somebody who does that? How would you handle that? You know, he, he would call and I would take his call. He's a, you know, he's a nice kid. Um so years later, I was CEO of a, uh, a small mobile media company, publicly traded mobile media company, and my developers in Boise, Idaho, developed something that they thought would be right for Facebook. And they're like, who could we show this to? Hmm. And I said, I know this kid, you know, he's got a little social media firm, so I'll call him up. 
Uh, and I did. And, and AJ's like, yeah, come on in. You know, we're on Park Avenue now. And when I walked in, I realized, holy shit, like, there's Look a company this. here. I think you were probably one of the 250 people there yeah. at the time. 2014. And I was like, uh, there's people here. Um, so fast forward, uh, my employment with Cedo uh, ends. I had a three-year contract. I stood three and a half years. And I merely called AJ back to tell him I was going to be back in big advertising in New York City and I'll see you again kind of thing and he's like hey James you ever meet my brother Gary and I said no he said you ever hear of my brother Gary I said not really and he said well why don't you do a quick Google search uh, he won't be hard to find um, and I did and, and he wasn't hard to find um, and uh, he's like you know come on in he wants to meet with you and I had a 15 minute meeting with him because that's kind of what you do with Gary uh, and then I got a call back from AJ and said, hey, man, you know, he likes you. He wants to have dinner with you. And he said, you know, don't take that too lightly. His time's busy. Um, and I had a dinner. Uh, and he asked, he said, listen, I want to build a $500 million integrated international independent communications company. I want a Richard Edelman model. Can you help me do it? And I said, yeah. I said, I had breakfast with Richard Edelman yesterday. I know the model. I said, <laughs> no, uh, well. I think I can. So he's like, all right, well, then don't take one of those other jobs. You already did that. Uh, step out on the cloud and do this with me. And that was it. Did you accept on the spot? No, I didn't because I still didn't know him. So I, I uh, left the dinner meeting. Um, the next day, uh, I uh, went back to Interbrand where I had worked, and they were on 18th and 5th. And I met with a woman who now works for us at VaynerX, uh, Andrea Sullivan. She was their chief marketing officer. Fantastic. And uh, and she was like, James, do you know who he is? And I said, no, not really. And she said, well, he's kind of like uh, Steve Jobs, Mark Zuckerberg kind of guy. you know." And she said, and I think he could use, I think he needs somebody like you. And she said, and by the way, you know, you have public relations, branding, general market advertising, mobile media. The mm -hmm. only thing you're really missing is this whole digital social thing. If If you get that experience, you are what we all want to be. So I walked across the street to park and uh, 23rd, and, and then I said yes. That had a light up his face. <laughs> yeah, right? he was happy. He, Look, he, he likes, likes to win. win. Let's he likes put it to win. Way. I mean, but what, but what is you know what is what does Gary do better than any other operator that you work with? He executes. He he, uh, you know, speed, speed and execution. I mean, are are his secret sauce. I mean. Uh, you know, and he doesn't allow perfection to stand in the way. He's not afraid to make a mistake. Nope. Uh, he's not too proud to admit an error. Um, he, uh, he's quick to adapt. Um, you know, and, and I, I always said uh, he was brilliant for hiring me. I'm like, look, it, well, he said, he said to me, you've made 25 years of mistakes that I don't want to make. So help me avoid the potholes and move faster. I literally have that written down here. I mean, I literally yeah. have it on my notes that I was going to say that. And, and I think that's the brilliance of someone like Gary who, or anyone out there who surrounds themselves with the right people, whether it be folks in your organization, folks that are, you could consider your mentors, anyone out there, just to have the self-awareness to understand what your strengths and weaknesses are and surround yourself with people. Gary, Gary, Gary wouldn't, it wouldn't be prudent for him to spend his energy learning, learning what you've known over 25 years. I mean, he could hire you to do it and he could focus on being the best self that he knows how to be. Yeah, and that's, uh, I think it was brilliant for hiring somebody about, uh, like me. You know, at the time, uh, and I was a big investment, you know, for, for him and AJ. And, you know, even though they, they <clears throat> had their general counsel there, they had a finance director there. 
They they had one other senior hire who went on to become the chief officer, and you know Claude well. Uh, but that was really it, you know. So um, uh, part of my role initially as integration officer, uh, because AJ was the chief operating officer, was was to just um, uh, play in whatever sandbox he needed me to play in to to help you know um, dial. Uh, uh, bring observations. Remember, he wasn't an advertising guy. I think that's the important thing. He was a retailer who is now going to function in the advertising industry. And not that he uh, he didn't want to replicate the industry, but he wanted to understand how it worked in the industry so he could do it differently. Huge competitive advantage there. So a couple of years under the, the Vayner umbrella. And let's talk about the, the early conversations around the Sasha group with Gary. Mm. Where, 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 did it come out of a passion, a need in the marketplace, or a combination of both? And and where well, was it like, like where he's like, Jimmy, I need you to lead this. Yeah. So the interesting thing uh, is, uh, I, I was chief integration officer first. Unbeknownst to me, uh, Gary and AJ uh, AJ had a very public uh, bout with Crohn's disease. He, uh, Fifteen months right. into my tenure, he stepped down, and and they made me chief operating officer. I think they kind of knew that that could happen somewhere down the road, although they didn't share that with me. Um, so, uh, you know, so as a chief operating officer, uh, you know, uh, my role was to help scale leadership as well, right? So um, many of the people who sit around the leadership table were were contacts of mine or sources of mine right we mentioned the the, the woman who's the chief marketing officer that uh, the cfo worked with me in the past at, at sachi i knew i knew the head of uh, production you know uh the the today the the chief creative officer the chief strategy officer they were all from uh, uh people that i had known in the past um so so any good chief operating officer basically puts themselves out of a job you know, uh, because now the work is done. There's now 12 leaders sitting around the table. You, you don't need an operating officer. You built the house. You're good. Thank you. So I was like, uh, you know, <clears throat> working on different special projects. Uh, one was running the studio uh, in Long Island City. To, you know, um, uh, right. I did that for six months. Um, and then I came back and then Gary was like, hey, you ready to start something new? You know, which is, that's a refreshing question in our industry to a 55 year old male it's, right it's hey you ready to start it's something a vote new. of confidence it's a it's it's and we talk about it all the time it's the jockey versus the horse yeah and, th and this is an industry that exits you at exits 55. you and they put you out the pasture for you Does, doesn't necessarily <laughs> restart you so i'm like yeah what do you have in mind and and he said that well i'm on the cover of entrepreneur magazine at the time he had 10 million followers i think he's got like 30 million now but he's like, I got 10 million followers and we built a company to service Fortune 500. I don't have a company to service small, medium size and, and challenger brands. And he said, um, you know, I want to name it after my dad for legacy purposes, which obviously you could relate to given uh, given the name of your company. Uh, and so he's like, so don't screw it up. You know, <laughs> it's going to have my father's name on it. Happy to cry. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, he's like, well, what do you what do you need and what do you see? And, and, and I said, look, um, I'd rather not run it like VaynerMedia. And he, he said, what do you mean? And I said, well, you know, let me take the best of what I saw at KPMG and Goldman Sachs and Interbrand from a consultancy standpoint. I was standpoint. about to say more of a management consultancy yep. positioning. I can run it like a consultancy on the front end. Right. And mm -hmm. I can marry it with, uh, you know, the, the marketing side of the Sachis and Vayners of this world on the back end. 
so um, so that's what we that's what we created. So and we have three pillars. Uh, uh, we have a consulting, education, and and digital marketing uh, pillar, which includes media. How is that scalable from um, a, a revenue margin standpoint versus going well, we, to big company? Yeah. Well, uh, we did a little under ten million in the first year, a little over twelve and a half in the second year. We'll do more than fifteen in the third year, uh, and a double digit profitability from day one. So it works. It does work. And and who are the ideal clients for Sasha Group? What do they fall into? I think it's uh, uh, well, the clients that appreciate us the most are the clients who have had another agency, <laughs> because know. remember, yeah. clients of this size are they're used working to with getting small. Yeah, they're yeah. used to getting B <laughs> players and C companies, and we brought them the A team. And that's interesting. Well, let's talk about the A team for a second there. Um, I, I mean, I, I have a very distinct viewpoint because I see a lot of the folks at work at, at Sasha Group. <laughs> Did they come by choice or you said, I'm going to take certain folks here from Vayner and, and bring them over to Sasha Group? What was that like? Were people, was it contentious? Were people excited about it? Well, people were cautious. I mean, he, uh, um, you know, I, I had established my own credibility in the hallways. Um, right. You know, we, we went from uh, 42 million and a little under 400 people when I started to, you know, we ended last year at a thousand people and, and, you know, more than 200 million. So, uh, so I did, I did have some credibility in, in helping to, to, uh, Jimmy, the pencil allow, allow the street Gary to scare. Who's coming to my um, gang over here, right? Like who's coming but with Gary's me? like, so what do you want? <laughs> you know, what do you want to take? And I said, well, let me take some of the stuff that, that I helped, you know, co-author and, and be involved with. So, uh, uh, so I was in the room when he created four D's, you know, and I helped that, to, to, cool. that educational thing. Um, uh, I, I was, uh, uh, heavy handed in birthing the mentors program, which is the cornerstone of our consulting practice. And, um, um, I asked for, uh, we had this small practice in New York called Vayner beta, which was kind of a catch all for anything that wasn't right for Vayner media. So I, I asked to take that as a, as a sort of cornerstone nucleus. Uh, and then I think the thing that confused him the most was when I said, and let me take the Chattanooga office. And he's like, Chattanooga, why, why do you want Chattanooga? And I said, because I, I feel like every time I go down there, we're selling uh, sunglasses in Seattle and we should be selling umbrellas. And he's like, well, what do you mean by that? And I said, I, you know, we're trying to sell big businesses, Ruby Tuesday, Georgia Pacific, and it's like a little Silicon Valley kind of thing down there. There's right. a lot of entrepreneurial, smaller companies and startups, and I think it would fit. So uh, he said, yes. Uh, and you know, it was, you know, that, those sort of 30 or so people that helped birth, uh, birth the company. And they, and they believed in you and they believed in the mission. And, and as they say, the rest is history. So let's spend a minute here. Last, uh, I'm sorry, you wanted to jump in on that one? No, no. Last, uh, you know, last, I can't believe we're talking about almost, uh, you know, 18 months at this point. What has been, what has been some of the hardest challenges for these small businesses during the pandemic? Uh, well, I mean, they had to uh, realize a couple things. One, they had to absorb the fact that the world was different. Uh, two, they had to adapt. Uh, so it was more uh, important to survive uh, than to have profits because if you were standing at the end of this, you won because mm -hmm. so many would not be standing. Uh, and the third thing was they had to attack, which meant that they had to move a piece of their business to offense. You couldn't just be in defense mode. So, I mean, those three things are really what we helped our clients navigate through. 
so core, so fundamental. I was lucky enough, and I tell the story a lot, I'll just tell it real briefly. Uh, March, 2020, my recruitment business mentor, uh, Joe Mullings, who runs, I think he knows Gary, they're, they're buddies. Um, you know, he said something to me, he said, you have, you have a choice to make right now. You can either crawl up on a burl or die or figure out how to be invaluable to your clients. How, how do you stay present, top of mind, and continue to add value to them without asking for a thing? And I followed that approach, exactly what I did, and planted those seeds. And when we started to come out of this in November, when the vaccinations were starting to roll out, I was the first person on the list. And that is the reason my business is successful. And I pulled out of the pandemic. I, fin mm -hmm. I finished last year about 23% down year over year, which is not bad during a mm -hmm. pandemic year because I did things the right way. But I digress here. Back to you. Um, when, when you onboard a new client into the Sasha group, talk to us a little bit about that initial process to un really truly understand their business so you're guiding them the right way because I think there's a lot of lessons here for anyone out there who's a, an entrepreneur or small business owner. So uh, the first thing is there's many windows and doors within which you could enter the Sasha world. Okay. Um, it is not a traditional agency that must have a agency of record uh, type uh, type status. You know, we, we serviced over 50 clients in the last quarter alone. That's I would venture to say it's probably three times what VaynerMedia service. Big roster, yeah, not by dollar amount, but by by volume. Um, you know, so uh, for, for there were times where the number of clients that we serviced outnumbered the number of people that we had, which meant that you know people were were pulling multiple duties. So, you know, you you can enter the Sasha Group by subscribing to Stork, an educational membership uh, for three hundred bucks a year. You know, and then I have clients who are paying me several million a year. Um, so, so there's a lot of ways to uh, to engage uh, with us. Uh, one of the things that I do say to some of these entrepreneurs, because they all ask me, "Hey, James, what do you know about commercial insulation? What do you know about nail polish manufacturing? What do you know about um, uh, uh, furniture retail?" I said, "Nothing." I said, but I know more about the consumers that consume that than you will ever know. So let's take right. what it is that you know and marry it up to what it is that I know and, and together we'll be successful. And that's their comfort. You know, I, I, I have a, a, a dental manufacturer in California. I mean, I, I don't know anything about, you know, dental manufacturing, uh, but, I, but I certainly know about business. And, uh, uh, you know, and it came to me when Gary said to me, okay, James, I need you to go run the studio because it's not operating the way I want to. And I said, Gary, I've never run a studio before. And he said, it's okay. It's a business. You've run a business. Right. Go fix it. <laughs> you know, and when he, when he said it that simply, it's a business. You've run a business. Go fix it. And I was like, okay, yeah, I could do that. Um, so I did. It's got Is this the happiest you've been in your career? Uh, I am certainly fulfilled. Um, you know, I've had I've had a wonderful career. I don't think I change anything about it. Um, great stepping stones. I'm in touch with every boss I've ever had. Every boss I've ever had, I, I still can text, call, uh, dine with. Uh, you know, very important to leave the right way yep. uh, that you enter. So um, you know, so th this is. Uh, I'm certainly having a blast on what I'm doing. Uh, I've become more relevant to my 20-year-old uh, children uh, because, you know, I tell them what's happening next on TikTok and so I want to look at this. So all of a sudden I'm cool I again in my cool own hallways. You know. And it's interesting there, and I want to hit the rewind button about 30 seconds there. Being able to reach out and talk to any boss over, you know, 25, 30-year career, it's, it's incredible. And it's that true value of long-term relationships and understanding them. And I try to 
for lack of a better way of saying it, beat that into people's heads these days to not burn bridges. Think about the value of long-term relationships. I mean, I built my entire business, my relationships. I mean, I got fired from VaynerMedia and I'm having a conversation with you right now because we kept in touch. I've yeah, pitched business to you. I've had Claude, Gary, everyone around them because you do mm -hmm. things the right way. And listen, shit happens. You move on. But it's about who you are inside. Maybe, that, I mean, listen, not to repeat that story, but it wasn't the right time and place for me at that moment. It was not, it was not right. But you go back and all my relationships, all my business success is predicated on the fact that I've never, well, I've only burned one bridge because it had to be scorched. It had to be napalmed. But aside mm -hmm. from that, I could go all the way back to my first bosses, first people I work with. It's a value of relationships and that's yeah, everything. I think, I think it's important and, and being there to help people uh, simply because you're in a position to do so and not because there's something in it for you. You 100%. know, um, uh, I wrote an article called The Authentic Network um, uh, and it was published in the in Princeton Business Journal, but it was about that, you know, paying it forward kind of thing, you know, uh, just, just doing it because you, you can and you're in a position to do it and not so much that... You're, there's an expectation that you're gonna get something out of it. Give versus take. The more the more you give, the more you get back. I, I am a mm -hmm. deep, fundamental, in my roots, in my core believer in relationship karma. Yeah, and that, look, I think this is why I get along uh, so well with Gary. And by the way, we are we are polar opposite. You know what I mean? Like he, you know, he's gonna jump out of a helicopter uh, to go skiing, and and I'm gonna wear a helmet on the Boney Hill in Shawnee in Pennsylvania. You know, so <laughs> we're just two different people, but uh, uh, but our core values are the same, and and we complement each other. I love it. What's what's your what's the big feather in your cap right now? Your greatest success with Sasha Group? Um, so far, it could be, it could be a client, it could be it, something operational. What you've been building? I mean, look. Um, my belief is that anybody can grow a company that's not profitable and it takes somebody really special to grow a profitable company and we've been profitable from day one uh we continue to be profitable double digit uh, you know very healthy margins uh and that's that's been you know look i have the secret sauce right i mean I understand the finances. I understand the operations. Uh, in all of these positions that I've had, I I, I know what what works well with legal. I know what works well with HR. Um, I've been the CEO of a company, so I know what it's like to drive new business. Uh, you it's know, very unique so background. I, I'm I'm in a very fortunate perch, if you will. Is there is there an is there an end in sight? Is there an exit? When does when does Jimmy the pencil hang it up? Are you gonna work you know, forever? Look, uh, it was so funny when, when Gary, it was so funny when we started the Sasha group, uh, and Gary's like, so when do you want to retire? I said, well, look, you know, I've, I've, I've been a good financial uh, uh, steward, so I can technically retire at, at 62. He's like, all right, well, we need a successor. I'm like, Gary, we didn't even start the company yet. I said, I'll, <laughs> I'll stay for as long as you need me. You know, don't, don't worry about it. Let's, let's get the company up and running first. So, um, uh, you know, uh, funny. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm good. I mean, I'm, I'm not, uh, uh, I'm not topping the brakes by any means. I mean, uh, you know, uh, we continue to grow and, uh, I think we have something special and clients like it. I love and, it. Uh, you know, so we're going to do more of it. What's, what's, what's your escape? What's your paradise when you're not working? You, you know, it was so funny. Um, one of our clients, uh, was a, uh, was a professional coaching group. Um, and, uh, um, 
so we had this professional coach and then it was like, uh, you know, okay, let's formulate some bucket list kind of items. And, and we'd always been big Yankee fans and I, you know, I would go see a game or two a year, uh, but never really had, you know, a, a ticket package kind of thing where we would show up. And, um, you know, this year we did that. And, and if we're not at the stadium, we're glued to the television. Uh, we really, uh, last night we were there for, for the Red Sox game and, um, my family is uh, is enjoying it. Uh, my my, I actually gave it to my wife as an anniversary gift because she was a bigger Yankee fan than I was. I love it. Yeah, but uh, yeah, we're having we're having a really good time with that, and I enjoy any time with my family. I mean, I really I really have a great time uh, experiencing my 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 children in there. You know, I have one that's uh, that's twenty. I got a twenty three year old. I got a twenty five year old. So um, uh, you know, we're we're enjoying them and their boyfriends and girlfriends and hanging out. I love it. That's good stuff. When when I when I say the word legacy, what 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 does that mean to you? How do you how do you want to be remembered when your time on this earth comes to an end? I want to be remembered as somebody who really uh, uh, helped and touched so many. You know what I mean? Like uh, who paid it forward. Um, you know, uh, um, want I want to hear, "Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Uh, enter the kingdom." You know, so that's uh, that's my goal. I love it. And and let's bring it home here. Last but not least, you know, you look back on this illustrious career this life that you've built, all these people that you've helped, everyone that you've come in contact with that you've made better and just continuing to give back. But I'm sure like everyone else in life, you've had those those down moments, those downturns where you've really had to pull yourself up, pull your family up, pull your company up, the folks that you work for and harness that inner tenacity to pull yourself up and forward. And on the flip side of that, James, looking back on it now, what you just said, just so grateful for your family that you've built this amazing... Orsini tribe, and you want to show gratitude. How do you keep yourself focused in life, James Orsini? What is your north star? You know, it's a you have to fight for a balance. Um, everything that I'm involved in, my uh, the boards that I serve on, uh, the church that I attend, the charities that I service, the family that I'm with, the work that I that I do, they all want me a hundred percent. Okay, everybody, my family would want me to stay home and just jockey them around. Uh, you know, my church wants me to do everything there is to do in their hallways. Uh, work could have you here 24-7. So I think fighting for that balance where uh, I, I take on enough that everybody feels good, but not too much where everybody gets a crumb and nobody's really eating. So I think, I think you know, but it is a fight. The balance is a fight. I get it. Uh, and you have to really, uh, we got to really work hard to uh, to keep it. People are like, you know, I, I don't know how you do as much as you do in the time that you do it. You know, people ask me that about Gary. Does he sleep? And I'm like, yeah, he sleeps. He just sleeps, does he more when he's does... awake than any other human that I've ever seen. <laughs> so, you know, that's, that's kind of, it, it's fighting for the balance that then uh, keeps everything in perspective. And... It's not wearing masks. Very important. So I, I am the same guy at work, at home, in the church, you know, on the boards that I sit. Same. I'm not changing these different masks and personas, um, which then helps me to, to keep it all together. I love it. And I'd be remiss because I, I forgot to ask my, I can't believe this, but I'm going to I'm gonna hit the rewind button here. I'm going to do things a little bit backwards. Leave us with this last note. What is the single greatest piece of advice you've ever received that you take action on every single day of your life? Doing the right thing is always the right thing. Amen. Mm -hmm. A-F in men. It's exactly what I believe in. James, Jimmy, the pencil Orsini, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. This was awesome. I can't wait to share this with everybody. I appreciate you so much and our relationship. Where can folks find you? Where can they connect with you? Where can they learn more? 
Yeah, so uh, anything with the company is The Sasha Group. Uh, all their uh, social handles, the website, The Sasha Group. And for me personally, I'm, I'm James Orsini on uh, LinkedIn, on uh, Instagram, uh, on Snapchat, and I am at Jimmy the Pencil on Twitter. There we go. Everyone listening, this was a good one. This was a good one. Hit that rewind button. Please share it. Spread the word. That's how it works. So you know where to find us all, thepodcast.com. Remember, take care of each other, look out for one another, and catch us next week for another great episode of the podcast. Take care, everybody. Wisdom is forever, but for us, it's time to go. Thank you for joining us. Luckily, we'll be back with our next episode soon, jam-packed with more incredible humans. Thank you for listening, subscribing, and sharing. To join the conversation, search the podcast on LinkedIn. And to catch up on past episodes and more info, please visit www.thepausecast.com.